Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays, and I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture. Todd, why should they listen? Well, I mean, a lot of people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability, she doesn't have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped, okay? I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show, it's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical, Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, I try to counteract that with some of my good vibes. <laughs> um, and, uh, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me. It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get podcasts. Bye. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her the good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the way that's fancy again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting in my studio with two people in person. One of them is my guest who I'm going to bring in in a moment, but I'm going to make sit here while I go through this awkward thing I do at the top where I force people to listen to me talk to producer Tony Thaxton when he's not in town. I talk about how he's not in town when he is in town. I talk to him, which I guess is more entertaining. Hi, Tony. How's it going? Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. I feel great after that intro. You know? I know. It really makes you feel special, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You're always great at that. Always making me feel good, whether it's online or in person. I know. I'm sorry. You know what? I say don't look at the content of what I... Actually, I would really encourage both you and the listeners, don't pay attention to the content. Okay, so so listeners of this show... Don't look at the content, listeners. Look at... But wouldn't this show ba- itself be content? Yeah. I don't... I Circle back with me, listeners, about what... I'm going to have to put a pin in that, listeners, in terms of what I'm going to direct you to pay attention to, because I have painted myself into a corner. But for you, Tony, mm-hmm. don't pay attention to the content of what I've been saying about you, because it's not good. But... <laughs> Well, you, as the person who edits the show, it's you a little might, tricky. yeah, I know. But what I would recommend you pay attention to is the volume, the voluminous mentions. I mean, my God, Tony, I've been talking nonstop about you so much so that I had to say, I'm over you, Tony. Wow. I'm done. Like, I had to say on two different shows, clearly, I don't care anymore that you've abandoned me to go on tour with your dumb rock band. This For listeners of the show who have been paying attention to the content, which is most of you, because you hadn't heard me you know, dissuade you from paying attention to the content, so this might ring a bell. 
I was like, only someone who doesn't care anymore would be so comfortable talking about it. Episode in, episode out. So you know, uh, you already mentioned, you edit, you know. I mean, it's just been nonstop. Tony Thaxton this, Tony Thaxton that. He's here, he's gone, he's here, he's gone. So it's like, clearly... I mean, there's a lot of Tony Thaxton on this brain. Yeah. Or is this all a ratings ploy? (laughs) It's, it's, you know, Shark Week? It's Tony Week. But it's nonstop Tony Week. Mm -hmm. Tony Weeks. Yeah. I'm into it. Is this getting us the ratings that we want? (laughs) I mean, our guest is nodding yes. So... (laughs) I think so. Well, anyway, welcome back. Thank it's you. It's great to have you back in be person. I am just because I like to know what I like to look. You know, they say live in the present because the future is something and the past is something else. <laughs> I, I think they that's that's the general gist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. What is it they say? The future is so bright. I gotta wear shades. And the past is in the rear view. Sure, that's yeah. I've I, when I remember, there's like a cat hanging mm-hmm. on a bunch of strings, mm-hmm. and it says, "The future is so bright. I gotta wear shades." And the past is in the rear view. Yeah, if this, I remember correctly, this all makes total sense. <laughs> Something. Yes, this is right, so yeah. I remember I was at a, the gynecologist's office, mm-hmm. and I looked up. Well, I was having my pap smear, and they put clever sayings on the ceiling, and it said, the future is so bright, I got to wear shades, the past is in the review, and I said, ha, ha. Oh, you guys got it, you, you got it, you got me again with yeah. your clever sayings on the ceiling that make this process seem so droll. I like that your gynecologist is like a college student, like, hanging posters <laughs> yeah. on the ceiling. And yeah. then there was the MC Escher up there of the two hands yeah. drawing themselves, <laughs> and then a Bob Marley, and I really wow. did feel like I was back in college. I, I can see why you go there. Keep you young. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one time she threw me a hacky sack. <laughs> threw it? <laughs> she threw it to me. That's not even the right form. <laughs> I know. It was... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. And uh, it's because my feet were in the stirrups. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah, but her sense. feet weren't, so she could have kicked it to me. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. You should consider a new The doctor. future and the past are none of our business. This, we just have the present moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just have the present moment. But all that aside, do you have plans to leave again? No. Not in, For real? I, I, yeah, I have no, lit, literally nothing in the books Though technically oh, two things, like, oh. but not until next year. And and they're literally... Next year is like tomorrow is well, plus a and couple. And it's literally like one show each time, and that's it, that I'll actually leave for. But I, it may not even affect this, you know? I'll probably be gone on the weekend and then right back. When What month is the first one? I think it's like May. February. Okay. I think. That is I can work with. Because I just... It's like literally like one show turns into like, oh, it's 14 dates and one of them's in England. That England show got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I sound like a jealous girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do with this a lot of the time. I know. I just have to sit here and take it. Really. I know. And the funny thing is that when I have been a jealous, the, here's the thing, Tony. <laughs> the times of my life that I have been a jealous girlfriend, I don't act on it 
I just hold it in, oh, yeah. except for except for my first relationship. And the ooh, putting it all together. <laughs> he was in a band. He played bass in a band. Mm-hmm. They were on the second stage of Warp Tour. Okay. I really tried so hard to be the cool girlfriend, mm-hmm. the cool girl. There's a lot of it's a hard thing to say. The, we'll get into that with our guest who is a professional voice actor uh, who narrates audiobooks um, and more. Uh, I tried so hard to be the cool girlfriend and it probably just came out as like my voice sounded very pinched and stuff. I don't think I pulled it off. But in general, I don't act out on those kind of feelings and I don't really have them anymore. I just hold them all in and then I see that that I've held them in and sublimated them and now they're just coming out here in this jokey format that you, no one can tell whether it's truly joking or not. And it <laughs> and is it, and it 98%. Comes up so often that it's starting to That's feel like that. That's what I'm saying. Again. I know. <laughs> and I don't know anymore whether it is or not. But yeah. I think it is. Well, I mean, I but hope no so. One, At the end no of the day, I thought so. But yeah, I thought I like, there might be a little shred of shred of truth in here. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't hold it against you. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's, that's very obvious. <laughs> oh my god! I have a timer in front of me, and I see the time, and yeah, it's a time. It's, you know, time flies when you give me shit. No, you know how they say like <laughs> when you're in the zone. When you're in this, when you're, no, sorry, not the zone, the flow. When you're in a flow state, when you're in, okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, a flow state is when you're, when you found your passion, when you're doing what you love, what you are meant to do, you don't, like for Tony, it's probably like playing drums, Mm -hmm. not editing my podcast, when you're playing both, I do both, (laughs) Uh, okay, when you, (laughs) I like that you're like, I've looked at the timer, we should move along, but but first. <laughs> well, because I just realized I've discovered my passion. This is, I'm in my flow state. I'm not noticing time ticking by. I could do this for hours. My passion is complaining about Tony. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I found most, most listeners probably have picked up on that. Yeah, but it's not their passion, right? But they're picking up on your passion. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay uh, but you know the, the thing is it's rude it's rude to everyone but especially my guest <laughs> i am delighted and, all, and also t- <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it is all- <laughs> oh, what has happened <laughs> oh my guest our guest just made a gesture to you like it's also rude to you <laughs> Oh, I missed and it. I forgot that it's it's also rude to you, <laughs> Tony. That is less of a concern, clearly. Yes, clearly. But it's but especially rude to our guest <laughs> to make him sit here for nine insane, it's almost ten, <laughs> almost ten insane minutes. My guest is someone who you've heard before on the Thursday show, but never on a one-on-one like this. He is audiophile, earphones, and audio award-winning narrator of over 350 audiobooks and over 450 features for the New York Times Audio, including several episodes of the top-rated The Daily Podcast. He's the director of Kate McKinnon and Emily Lynn's Headswool role for Broadway, Video, and Audible. And the Maximum Fun series Bubble, written 
by our very own Jordan, Jordan Morris. Morris, named one of Apple's best of the year. He produced and narrated the New York Times bestseller, Stinker Let's Loose, an audible original written by friend of the show, Mike Sachs, and starring John Hamm. That's a handsome man. Uh, he's also the author of the Audible's best-selling new Arcadia series of multicast audiobooks, including the one that just came out, New Arcadia Revolution, which I got to be a few small voices in, which was delightful for me. Please put your hands together for Eric Jason Martin. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's delightful to be here, and it was it's great to come in hot with you already in a flow state, <laughs> operating at the peak of your abilities. I know. I, you're here on the day where I finally discovered my passion. I have been on this earth a long time. I know I look very, very young, but I'm 75 years old, and I've just been banding about, am I a writer? Am I a podcaster? Am I a mother? Am I a r- raconteur? No. I'm a person who was put here to complain about Tony, and today's the day I discovered it. Because when I do that, nothing else matters. <laughs> I could just time. I don't need to eat. I don't need to pee. I don't need to. I don't notice other people. Yeah, I so be, you don't even need to be here. No. Right? <laughs> I mean, don't a, get me wrong. I'm happy to be here. It's but. a one woman show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can't get enough. Thank you for being here, Eric. It is wonderful to see you. You too. Um, I was listening to uh, the audiobook today. Uh, I didn't realize until I was listening to it today, really, I'm really hitting that hard in case I just want people to, I want them to locate themselves in time. The time is today. I was listening to it. Uh, I didn't realize that it, it's got a real pandemic theme. Did you write it during the pandemic? Yeah, totally. Yeah, the first one came, you know, it's it's a sort of a background. It's kind of a it's not about that. There's sort of a low, you know, sort of pulse and ebb in it, but but sitting at home in the pandemic, as I'm sure other people did, they were like, you know, I could probably write that novel I've been working on for a while. And and sure enough, that's what I did. So, um the book is set in a virtual world in the 1990s. So mm-hmm. it's really about going back. Um but, but the it frame. takes yeah, the framing is around a near future um dystopia of sorts mm-hmm. um yeah and that's uh that's how it all sinks together but it came about because of uh because of where we were all you know sitting around at home and i was like yeah. i could probably i could probably do something with this time so tell me about the story because i have not listened to all of it i'm not a, i gotta say i'm not a huge audiobook person but see you handed me the book book today and i said i didn't even know that it existed in book book form and i'm very excited that it does Absolutely. I have yeah. I have nothing but options. It's on Kindle, it's on it's everywhere. So it's, it's for everywhere. any audience because I know like my like my brother, for example, like he, he doesn't like to read but he inhales audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's different formats. But in terms of the um the story, yeah, it's about um so we're in this near future dystopia where things are bad. But it, it imagines taking a few of the levers and making them a little worse. So like now everybody's truly locked up at home. So everybody misses each other. And there is a way to bring everybody together again. And it's virtually. It's in this virtual, you know, totally immersive virtual world. And what we learn is that there was one option available, and it was a 90s arcade uh, beat-em-up game. So um, that has been sort of retconned into this social space where people can get together again, basically an East Coast city like New York. So you've got all of these people who have been alone for a long time, and now they are let free in this city, and they can, they can punch people if they want to. 
or they can dance in the case of this. And so, but they have to get a job and they have to basically, or they're out on the street. So it's very immersive in the sense of this isn't just a quarter muncher like done in 20 minutes. No, you've got to live here now mm-hmm. and figure out a way to um, hang out. So with that- For 90 days, right? Yeah, it's a three month period. And um, yeah, and you've got to be, you've got to be three stages um, and there's three bosses. Um, and it's different for, you know, peop- some people have to, you know, beat up bad guys. Maybe some people, their their other stages are, you know, maybe it's uh, pottery-based or, you know, whatever they're into. Um, uh, kvetching about um, uh, people. Tony. Yeah, for example. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. I would do so well. Um, okay, so New Arcadia Revolution, it, how many books are in the series? Like, how many have you written? Uh, this is the second book, and it's intended as a trilogy. Um, it's a continuation, but you can pick up here at book two if you want. Mm-hmm. And the the framing, the uh, the video game aspect of it, was that all set up in the first one? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it details you getting into the world and like, oh, what do I do? Like, And it's one guy's thing of like, oh, how do I get around and how do I navigate this and how do I find a place to stay? How do mm-hmm. I... And then meeting other people, especially after you've been you know locked up at home for so long. Um, and then this second book just explodes it out, and it's like there's a there's a multiple viewpoints. Um, a lot of different narrators narrate their own sections, so it's it's a true multicast in that sense. Um, and we get different perspectives and different people coming together. And in this case, it's on the dance floor. Who is the first woman we hear from? She's so good. She is so good. They're, is that Erica? They're also good. No, that is uh, that is January Lavoy, who does I think. Oh God, she does maybe all of Nora Roberts's books mm-hmm. or something. But she is just excellent, top tier, incredible narrator. Um, and I was thrilled that she uh, she jumped off. And then this. who plays Bryce? Is that Gabrus? No, Bryce is um, Sam Regal. Okay, yeah, so good too. All of them are so good. And I have to go back and say when I said I'm not a big audiobook person, I, that feels like a real dumb thing to say to someone who. 350 audiobooks, 450 features for the New York Times audio. But uh, I just... Doesn't bother me, none. Just typically, it's not the way I consume books. However, when I was listening today, the same day that I discovered my true calling in life... (laughs) What a day. (laughs) Really banner day. Listening to uh, New Arcadia Revolution, I was thinking... And I think part of it is because it's so well done. It's so... Um, like the voices are just, you're just instantly pulled into the story and there's music and it's scored. And I mean, it's like so cinematic, but I was like, oh, I should really give, t- give, uh, consuming books this way via audiobook a shot more because it is such a, an immersive way to take in a book versus looking at the page. I mean, I don't need to explain how reading a book works. I think we all know, <laughs> but, um, it's so easy to be distracted when you're just reading a book, I find, yeah, for, versus like, I don't know, I found it really enjoyable to be listening. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's true that um, the narrator can make or break the audiobook experience. So it's possible that, you know, you've listened to a couple audiobooks and you're like, yeah, this isn't for me. And because I can tune out sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe it's the content of the book or maybe it's just the narrator hasn't grabbed you. But the best ones... Um, and it's getting better and better just generally, mm-hmm. just as more people are listening. So people are paying more attention to how good it should be. Um, that if you're listening to a great narrator, they're right there in your, you know, 
had, they're right there in your headphones. They're, they're basically whispering into your brain. Right. And if they f- reach that flow state of narration, Tony, <laughs> <laughs> then um, you are just there and you are enraptured in the story with them. I think that's, and that was, that's what was so good about January Lavoie is like, I mean, and you know, you hired her. <laughs> like, just the the pathos in her voice, like, oh my god, you're just right. This feeling, everything she's feeling, and I, I'm sure all the voices are. Because I mean, I heard the trailer, like every everyone in the cast, including me, so good. Yes. Now, did I could not remember how it came about that I got to be in your book. Did I beg you for a, a role? Did I pester you into it? I, I feel like I probably did. I think you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> this feels very much like me. Mentioned it like, oh, hey, if you need someone, I'm around. Well, it was, it was <laughs> that you put it out there, which I appreciated. You're welcome. But also, I think you had first mentioned it um, when we when we came on to talk about Bubble with Jordan. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ago. That dick is not – he's not done anything for me yet. I keep – I don't know how many times I have to tell him I'm available. I mean, my God. So – Have they already recorded number two? Not that I know of. Okay, good. Maybe. Uh, oh. <laughs> I know nothing about it, so if they've done it, it's without me. But oh, okay. Um, then as long as t- we're a team now, yes. right? Totally. Right? Oh, we're yeah. a block. Yeah. Yeah, we're an alliance. Be careful. I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You pass on me, you pass on him, you pass on him, you pass on me. What has happened? You oh, did know you what? package us? Oh, okay. Yes, we, we're packaged now. <laughs> okay, great. I don't know who you're rep by, but we'll have our people talk. <laughs> I don't know if my people know that I'm still with them. <laughs> I think they do, but we'll, I'll go look myself up on IMDb Pro, make sure everything's still copacetic. I don't know what happened. Now that I've discovered my flow state, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> I'm insufferable. No, I'm here. Let's, let's, <laughs> you're, let's do this. you're witnessing it, yeah. So anyway, we formed an alliance. Uh-huh. So together, it's crazy. Yeah. Go ahead. We're unstoppable. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, knowing that you wanted to do it, and then I that got me thinking of like your voice, and it, it obviously it took a while. It took a couple of years <laughs> for me to figure it out, but then a project alighted on which I knew that you would have some um, expertise because it takes place in a version of Brooklyn around the turn of the century, and um, and I knew that you were there in New York, so I was like, I want somebody who was there who lived it Mm. that's um yeah that's that's expertise that's that's realism that's flow (laughs) (laughs) and then though Mm. were you not blown away by the other characters i did too yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i expected it but i still wasn't prepared for it (laughs) how could you be no one can be. Because, <laughs> I mean, in the trailer, the one you used. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's just get down to brass tacks. Yeah. I think it was how many of the characters I did made it into the final book? All of them. Oh, my God. Yeah. All three? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, I'm great. not just going to cut out shit from my book. I don't know. Look, I don't know, you know? <laughs> I've been around. I love that thing. <laughs> oh, that's well, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you never know. You, you never know. That's true. You never know because sometimes someone they could go another direction. That's true. You know, and it's like look with notes from the network. We've decided to go another direction, etc. Yeah. In this case, and the network was me, and I was like, "This is great." And oh, then I sometimes to they it. make up entire networks. You know, yeah. <laughs> look, I just I wasn't. 
I wasn't uh, going to have my heart set on anything. I wasn't going to count my eggs, yeah, uh, etc. So, okay, so all three, great. Because the one that was in the trailer mm-hmm. was not even the main one, Toots. Yeah. That was just one of the other ones. That was just icing on the cake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just a little, uh, yeah, aperitif. Mm-hmm. But it fit really well in, in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, frankly, in the book. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well... Thank you again for putting me in your book, even though I demanded that you do it. It uh, it was very, very fun. It's been something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, and it's actually been fun. Um, David Huntsberger has this new podcast of like little um, audio sketches that he's been doing. And I've done a few of those too. So like this voice acting stuff um, – more and more little things like that have been cropping up and I've been doing it more and more and I've been enjoying it immensely. Uh, And it's kind of all happening around the time that I've discovered my true meaning and purpose on earth. And it's magical the way it's all, you know, coming together. So thank you again. It was very fun. Um, How did you get into this line of work? Into specifically into audiobook narrating or just making Big old um, into writing or, or audiobook narrating is is what I actually meant. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Audiobook. I actually came to that through podcasting. Okay, and um, I think I may have told a version of this on the show years ago, but um, but it was I was working with Anna David, um, and yes, she, and she's a writer. Yes, and so and you know that I knew her in New York, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. But remind me how you know her. Maybe we should go back further. Tell me. Let's go back a little further. Yeah. You're from Northern California? I'm actually originally from Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And then moved to Northern California as a kid, and then moved to Southern California Mm -hmm. when I was in high school. And I've been here ever since. San Diego? Uh, I'm in a... Thousand Oaks. Okay. Yeah. From now on, I'm just going to ask questions instead of (laughs) say things that are incorrect. All right. so, So Thousand Oaks, and then obviously been here in LA ever since, and... I was, you know, trained as an actor, um, and but then I was like, I don't want to spend my days auditioning, so mm-hmm. I went behind the scenes. Um, you know, was wound up. Uh, well, I'll just give you the the story. Please. So I was um, um, in college. I was working at Disney as like I was playing Merlin for like children's birthday mm-hmm. parties, and along the way, I just got enchanted by that and it just bought into the like, oh my god, like the the Disney magic a little bit, but just was fascinated by how he built an empire. Um, of sorts. So I, I got super into that. And then after college, I was like, I don't want to, you know, be an actor because I don't want to audition all the time and I want a job. So uh, I became an Imagineer uh, for three years and worked on a whole bunch of Disney theme parks and some of the original movies like um, the Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy and, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, and the original Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I didn't know you were. Maybe I did, but I yeah. didn't remember that you were an Imagineer. Yeah, that's cool. It was it was cool. Um, the the trip though is that I was you know newly out of college, and there is no path up there. It's yeah. essentially like an ivory tower. So people generally come in there at the top of their game, you know, after a, a long career in mechanical engineering or storytelling and stuff. And so um, when I when a job opened up at Universal, because I was also stage managing there for the live shows, I went to Universal. And then um, wound up running um, the backstage, like, theater department, mm-hmm. um, moved into, like, show producing. Um, and so it was, you know, had a, had a career as a, I don't know, show producer, um, 
theme park guy. You were pretty young at this point, though, right? Yeah, I was, um, I think, 24 when I started at Universal full-time. Were the other imagine if, if other Imagineers are coming in at the top of their game, were they resenting you for being so a, such a young Imagineer? No, because I was essentially just at an assistant, like, coordinator oh, level. okay. So, you know, I was, the, I was the guy, you know, fetching stuff and, like, mm-hmm. you know, putting together, like, just sort of the glue that held project teams together. Got but it. But I learned a ton, mm-hmm. but there was just nowhere to go from there. Um, Where did you go to college? To UCLA. Oh, okay. So I, I went to the theater program there before um, their their musical theater program came in. So we used to sneak over to the music department and um, and do shows there. And I'm a I don't know why I was so into well I'll tell you why I was really into musical theater um, because I loved Sondheim. But once I realized that not all shows were about you know, like uh, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, maybe this isn't for me. Um, but I, I loved, I loved doing uh, musical theater. But the, I saw no future in it for me. But I'm so glad I, I did it. When you say once you realize that not all shows were like Sweeney Todd, what do you mean? I mean, I did Sweeney Todd and I loved it, and I was like, why can't all shows be like this? But, <laughs> but they're simply not. They're they're much less um, um, violent and um, yeah, and operatic. I see. Yeah. So Sweeney Todd just like had everything you want out of a show totally for you. yeah it's like when i went and i saw the beatles love and i'm like oh my god i fucking excuse my language love cirque du soleil right. and then the next night i saw cirque du soleil oh which is the one with a big pool and i'm like no i don't love cirque du soleil i just love this particular i love cirque du soleil performed against the beatles back the backdrop i just love this one show love yeah yeah, yeah, totally. It's exactly like that, Eric. Okay, carry on. So they can't all be Sweeney Todd. Then what happened? Yeah, then what happened? So, so I went. Like I said I went behind the stage, like um, uh, backstage, and um, but then you know I'd say ten years go by, and um, and I'm doing little creative projects, um, but you know I wasn't feed like I'm a I'm ultimately a creative artist. Mm-hmm. So um, when podcasting came around, I was like, oh, this is it. I've got a voice. People always said, you know, so. I, um, so people had always been saying to you, you should do voiceover or something like that. Exactly. And I'd always wanted to do that in the back of my head, but I didn't know how to break into yeah. it. And I knew there was a lot of training, a lot of startup. Um, but podcasting seemed like a very easy way to to get in and get started. And this was right as it was starting in like 05, 06. Um, and so I had a show that didn't do much, but it was a fun outlet. And then when I had a show called um, – this is, by the way, a very long answer, but we're going to get to, um, to answer your question. <laughs> um, but I did a show called This American Wife, um, <laughs> which was a gentle parody of public radio. Mm-hmm. And um, for some re- – well, the reason is because it was parodying This American Life. But as soon as we put it out, it went to the front of the Apple podcast page and was a huge hit. And I was like, oh, my God, now I have an audience. Um, and And that – was the best school because that helped me understand. And that's where I learned how to like add in music, do sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, and I was going to UCB at the time as well. So I was developing all this, this stuff and all just came together in this one show that ran for a few years and, and did really well. Um, but I was also in, Oh yeah. I was also super into storytelling and live storytelling and telling your own um, stories. Cause that scene was really sort of bubbling up. And I think that's where I met Anna. Right. And that's where she was wanting to do a show. So she invited me to co-host with her because she was an author. She had a, like a, at the time it was called a Kindle single, which mm-hmm. I don't think they have anymore. Basically a short story, but she's like, how do I get this into audio? And, um, 
And then she found this thing called ACX, which is Audible sort of audiobook creation exchange where people can go on and, and audition for things and basically audition direct for authors. And, um, and so I, we put it up through there and then I was like, I'm going to start auditioning for stuff. And then I got found very quickly by publishers that were like scouring it. They're like, we, we like your voice. We want to get you amazing. To, and so I did a book and then somebody who, Oh God, somebody who was the editor for it. That's right. I'm, I'm just putting together the exact things of it now, but the, the editor on that book, just the guy who did the post um, was like, I've got another book for you. Um, and it's called Detroit and American Autopsy. And it wound up being like getting all these awards, like best of the year. And it was a great book. And I was like, I'm just like, and I didn't know, like, for nonfiction, you're not necessarily supposed to do all the voices. So, but I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to treat it like a performance. Mm-hmm. I know this story and like, I'm just going to go. Sweeney Todd on it. Yeah. I'm going to swing for the fences. And, um, and um, yeah, and so it did really well. And then from there, I had a I had a career. Uh, and then that guy, that editor, so you, went like on to found one of the biggest publishing companies. Um, so it's weird the way, that, like, I just happened to get in at the right moment. You were discovered, essentially. I was. That's really cool. That's amazing. And grateful for it. Yeah, that's really neat, right? Because, I mean, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you, this this audible exchange thing, like, your voice was just on this like sort of like an online pool, right? And they just kind of so picked you out of there and yeah, totally. They right? were just like listen to demos, like oh yeah. yeah, this guy, yeah. That's really neat. That's I mean, because I, I don't really know how this the audiobook thing works, but is that that's not typical of how it, it how it works, is it? Or is it, it actually even now because um, they're constantly still looking for new voice because there's such a multiplicity of mm-hmm. authors, right? And with their right. own unique voices, so they're yeah. scouring for like new talents to match even now still as it's growing and as more people are finding their voices through memoirs or Mm -hmm. the stories they're telling. So like, yeah, like casting people for audiobooks are constantly looking for um, people who who want again. So there's still a, I mean, there's maybe like that window of opportunity is maybe narrowed a little bit, but Uh I'm surprised by how much you can still. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to be willing as a performer to sit (laughs) in a little box all day and just read a whole book that's in front of you from beginning to end out loud. Yeah. Which some people don't like. I happen to like it. <laughs> you like the little box? I, well, is that your flow state? It's, I mean, that's where I get into the flow state. Yeah, because it, it you know, in, in addition to isolating sound, mm-hmm. it also isolates your brain. Yeah, <laughs> it focuses you. How long can you sit and read out loud into a mic? Uh, I'd say an hour at a time before taking a break. Mm-hmm. Um, although. And then in terms of an actual, like, day of recording, because remember, these books are, like, some of them are many, many hours. Yeah. So um, so you they become, like, essentially like a full day of work. Like, you can be in the booth for six hours a day with breaks. Do you read, Do you do, like, a cold reading, or do you read it ahead of time, and then how do you do it? For fiction, I will read it ahead of time so I know the characters. Mm-hmm. And I won't, like, read it. Like, some people love to plot out the beats and, like, here's how I'm going to do all this. I like to be a little surprised by it. My, my cold reading skills are pretty strong, so uh-huh. I like to just, like, I know who's who and what they're saying to each other. Um, for nonfiction, yeah, I will sort of more skim through it, make sure I know how to say all the words, mm-hmm. either get a Reese, because that's the thing, like, some of these books, you don't know these, these names, these things, like, how to say. And then there's different ways to say them, so you got to decide which one's right or which one's acceptable or how to make it. Oh, what a thing. Um, 
I forgot what I was. Oh yeah, so prep. Yeah, so basically, I do some version of reading mm-hmm. the book. Although I save the real one for, like you know the because I'm going to be with it word by word. Like you are there, you are reading every word of that book. So right. I try not to get bored of it. Um, okay. You mentioned pronunciation. This is offering me a wonderful opportunity to run by you. There's been a lot of discussion of various pronunciations of words mm. on the show. Mm-hmm. I'll do what I can. Okay. Mauve. Yeah, mauve sounds right. Do some people say mauve? Are you aware of this? Um, I'm not. But here's the thing. Like, you can go to – you can go to – there's a few resources I'll go to to check how to mm-hmm. pronounce words. And sort of the gold standard is M.W., Miriam, Merriam-Webster. Yeah. And they will have multiple um, uh, versions of it. And sometimes they'll have multiple um, audio files. Right. So you can actually hear both ways. And sometimes the first one is like, oh, I would not expect that to be the first pronunciation of this word. Right. Um, it upset me, I think um, – um, I'm sort of a, a, a pure. I thought there was only one way to say um, experience, and I think it or is it the word experience. Maybe it's X or ex, ex, oh experiment. And a lot of people say experiment. Experim- yeah. And apparently that's acceptable, but mm. not to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. But me I mean, either. I'm okay with it. I like I can live with it. But okay. Yeah. The man's name D O N. The woman's name D A W N. Don and Dawn. Do them again. Don, Dawn. So okay. it's the A H versus A W sound. To me, see, to me, it's the same vowel sound. It could be the same, Don and Dawn. Yeah. Well, no, you're saying them differently. I guess I am saying a little different, but it's. I think it's still acceptable to say it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we? What else do we have? Any other ones, Tony? Those are the ones I the main think ones. of you bringing up. Yes, know. I feel like there's new ones. Um, do you guys know who Teal Swan is? I almost mm-hmm. sent this to you, Tony. I probably will to have you clip it because we have to play it on the show. So she's like this uh, cult leader, essentially, although she denies that it's a cult. Uh, um, I've heard you talk about yes, it. Yes. Yeah. There's this uh, mini series on Hulu about her or like four part series called Deep Water. I think she's just she's awful. Uh. Um, but she's she's off. She's beautiful, but she's awful. And she does. She's like a YouTube online like motivational speaker. But actually, it's like a cult kind of. But anyway, she has these this video where she keeps saying Aranus instead of erroneous. I'm like <laughs> Aranus. There's no world in which you can say Aranus. Okay. Also, um, I was watching on TikTok. There's this woman who does audiobooks, and she. Uh, talked about how she was drinking throat coat tea. Oh, yeah. Which is licorice root, right? Pretty much, yeah. And apparently she was like drinking, she drank like six cups of it or something. And you can OD on it. And Uh, she got like really sick from it. And she was like warning people, but specifically other like voiceover people. She's like, I didn't know this. And they don't tell you this, but you're only supposed to have X amount of it. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that? That makes sense. I mean, I would never have six cups of tea. (laughs) (laughs) I guess she had been like, what did she say? I guess she like puts it in a big thermos, but she puts like six bags of it or something in a thermos. And she was like, yeah, something insane. She was like, wait a minute. Is it, is it lozenges or is it tea? Well, uh, throat coat is, is tea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe she, I, I, I don't know. She somehow ingested like way too much because yeah. she was drinking it all day and then she got really 
like maybe she felt weak. I don't know. She had some like horror story about it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I imagine the, the, the equivalent would be just like melting down a, a big box of good and plenty and, yeah. and just, and that can't be good for you. No, but it, there was something, I don't know. It was, it was harrowing. I tell you. <laughs> so what was the show that you and Anna did together? It was a storytelling show called True Tales of Lust and Love. Yes. And it was like, you know, it was women coming on and telling, um, I you think know, story, I was intimate a, stories. I think I was a guest on that. I think you were. Yeah. Were you there? Yeah, I probably was. Yeah. But my story wasn't particularly lusty. It was about something that happened in the fourth grade. It was like, it was embarrassing, but it wasn't lusty. Obviously, it was in the fourth grade. Yeah. Um, at, where was it? Somewhere in LA. Yeah. We were at M Bar when it existed. And then I think we moved to the Mint, or maybe it was the I think it was the Mint. Okay. Maybe. No? Maybe? I don't know. Um Okay, and then how did the Daily come about? Well the Daily come about uh came about because um so I'd been narrating for a few years at that point and um and then somebody called me out of the blue, um and said, "Hey, we we want you to start narrating um, articles for for." Um, at the time, it was they just had a few magazines. The New York Times bought them, um, and so now every you know few days, I'll narrate an article like from the New Yorker, which will appear on the New York Times um, app or on the website, um, or like Rolling Stone. Like I just did an, uh, a profile of Ozzy Osbourne which was uh, for Rolling Stone, which was a delight. And then as part of that, sometimes they'll be like, hey, we've got you know this episode of The Daily coming up and we want you to read that. Or I did an episode of the Modern Love podcast uh-huh. too and like read some guy's story of like him getting catfished, which was like really fun. Um, so yeah, they'll do um, – so I'm part of their whole empire. That's cool. So yeah. do you have to solicit work at all anymore or does it just come to you? Um, I still – do seek it. I still sort of occasionally will blast um, um, editors or publishers um, a couple times a year, especially especially if like a gap comes up. Mm-hmm. But normally I, I tend to book out a couple months in advance or sometimes big rush things will come through and you try to juggle that. Um, but yeah, at this point, like it's taken a long time. And like, because I was working at Universal still for like a few years while I was doing the audiobook work, which was... Perhaps a lot. And I perhaps stayed at Universal longer than I should have. Um, but, um, yeah, because it is <laughs> it is very draining work, um, even though you're just sitting there talking. But I would recommend you try it sometime if, you, if you're ever curious. Um, but um, I, yeah, I, what do I want to say here? Um, what was the question again? Now I blanked. <laughs> Uh, it was do you solicit work? Oh, or do I solicit it work? Yeah, it mostly um, mostly this time it it, it comes to me, and then mm-hmm. occasionally I'll, I'll reach out. And so, how did the directing come about? I wanted to bring the energy of podcasting and live um, storytelling and UCB into audiobooks. <laughs> um. And and in some ways, it's an old tradition, um, you know, old radio dramas and things like that. Like it's been going on for a long time, and the, for the BBC and things, it's never left. But it's really had a renaissance here in the last mm-hmm. um, few years. So it started with um, I, I did a, like a very I think it was through the podcast that it was like starting to do like I was directing sketches, um, and then I got invited to 
direct and produce a um, a documentary of Tenacious D. Oh, cool! Um, so we did that for like a, a visual documentary, audio documentary. Oh, yeah. So we basically just went to their festival and like interviewed people like backstage and in front, and then got Jack and Kyle into the studio and talked. And like from there, um, I was able to start doing scripted things at um, at Stitcher Earwolf, mm. um, and then. <clears throat> when Mike Sachs um, wrote his book Stinker Let's Loose, which was a, a came out as a '70s novelization, um, the moment he posted about it, because I had had him on the show, um, I which think, show? This American Wife. This American Wife years ago, and we had done like a really funny multicast thing mm-hmm. adaptation of one of his stories, and then the Is idea. Is that Randy? Um, Is that his story? <clears throat> oh yeah, we did. We did Randy years later. No, this was something from his. I think. I think it was from. Your Wildest Dreams Within Reason. That was the oh, name yeah. of his book. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> mm. So, but I, I, when, when Stinker came out and I saw what it was, I immediately saw the possibility. I was like, oh my God, this needs to be, because um, uh, um, I loved novelizations growing up too, uh, of movies. And I was like, let's just make this an audio movie. Um, and so I was just going to like bankroll it myself and get a few people together. Um, but then I was working with Audible on on some other like smaller sketches. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to do this. Do you want to do this?" And they're like, "Actually, we do." And then it turns out um, I didn't even realize this until I read it in the LA Times calendar section. <laughs> but that project kicked off the Audible comedy um, thing in in 2018. Oh wow! So um, and they really leaned into it once I because we we asked John Ham to do it. So once. John was in, then obviously they were like, okay, actually we're we're now super interested in this. Yeah. And so they really built it up and we did a live show and all this stuff around it. And then from and that there had Ray Seahorn too. Yeah, right? we got Ray in in there as well. Who that had like a huge cast. Who else was in that? Was well, Bob Odenkirk in that? No, he was in the next one. We did um we did Passable in Pink, which was an eighties. Oh, that was one. okay, yeah. 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 We we got yeah, Bob and Gillian Jacobs and Adam Scott and um and uh, Bobby Moynihan in that one, uh, which was a blast. But yeah, for for Stinker, um, Philip Baker Hall was mm-hmm. in it, um, and uh, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Kimmy Gatewood was in it. I remember we had oh uh, James Urbaniak and uh, Andy Daly, so it was just a great cast. How um, I'm trying to ask this question. I feel like this question is going to sound insulting, but I don't mean it in an insulting way. But yeah. like, um. Like, what do you think made John Hamm say yes? I, I can tell you what I think. Um, Money? <laughs> definitely was not that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first of all, I had already assembled a great cast. Um, and Mike had worked with him briefly on something. I think he took his author photo a couple years ago. So he had that connection. Like Mike like, Sachs takes photos? No, John posed as his author po- uh, as oh, his author photo. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is brilliant. It was very funny. I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but at that point, we had had the whole cast assembled, um, and I was so you already like, had like Ray Seahorn. Yes. So then, had. I guess the question also is like, what made Ray Seahorn say yes? Well, she's just a big fan of Mike's, and okay. Like newer stuff. So she was she was one of the first people we brought on. Got it. And then once we got Andy Daly and Paul F. Tompkins, I was like, these guys. Like I know John loves yeah. working with with these folks. So, um, so I laid it all out. I was like, hey, here's here's what we got. Um, it's going to be a short commitment for you. I think mm-hmm. it was only like two or three hours of recording. Like we went fast, um, and you just have a great time, and you'll be with these these awesome people. And then he wrote back, you know, soon, and was like, "Yeah, I'm it." I was really, and I was literally like jumping up and down yeah. with joy when that that happened because that 
that definitely changed things. It was huge. So I'm so thrilled. But the reason why I think he said yes is, and it's it was only in um, in hindsight, I think reading like a profile of him, that he grew up, um, his father ran a, a trucking company mm. in the, the South Midwest area. And when, and they would just have these crazy raging parties at the site. Uh, and young John would go upstairs and watch Saturday Night Live. And like, mm. that's how he escaped. And that's how he found comedy. So I was like, okay, this literally takes him back to his childhood. Right. So that's, I think that's why I did it. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, so when you're directing, what, what's like the main, like, talk me through what it is that you are trying to do. And I actually got a chance to watch you or listen to you direct a tiny bit because I came to the Maximum Fun Studios, I think to do an episode of Jordan Jesse Go when and you were wrapping up a session of recording Bubble. Oh yeah. Um so I got to hear you sort of direct people a tiny bit. So I heard a little bit of it. But like what is the what is the when you're directing, you know, an audio performances, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to meet people where they are. So it's finding out their baseline. Like I, I sort of analyze very quickly of like, okay, what is this person's capability? What is their suit of either I've cast them or I've not. And in which case it's basically just getting them to performance level as quickly as possible while having a great time mm. because it's fun. So it's, it's, finding out how to connect with that person and, and make it um, sort of, you know, ease them if they're new to this uh, sort of, you know, put them at ease and then find out, um, you know, how they, how they want to approach it, what they, what their thought is, how they work with direction. If I tweak it, you know, see how uh, much they'll, they'll be willing to to go with me and then um, do a few takes and that's it. I mean, that's, that's nice. Like for film, you've got a, you know, there's a whole other component. There's video and there's all these things. But for audio, it's just your voice. You know, it's just the storytelling. Right. So um, it's so much easier to focus on that. Yeah. And so to go back to um, to Bubble, which you saw, uh, that was the fastest I've ever worked. So that was, we literally recorded that thing and there was 40 plus people and we got that done in two it was either two days or two weekends, but it was very fast. And so we only had a couple of takes and we had long pages. Where, so we would just, you know, do our, um, um, that was a very accelerated version of it. Mm-hmm. But even then, um, we were able to very f- quickly find out like, okay, here's what we're doing. And then just, and a lot of it is is planning too. That's the other thing is like, if you plan it correctly, then the amount of time you spend in the studio is is minimized. Then it's just about bringing the right people together and and making the magic happen. Just by you know, just by the electric spark of us, you of you and I, for example, sitting across the table, um, speaking in these microphones, like. Oh, I feel it. Hence our alliance. Yeah, we don't yeah. need to do much. No, <laughs> that's what they'll say about us. But what kind of planning? Planning of li- literally like uh, these, we need to get these actors in this scene together. And then since then we just move on and try to go chronologically so that you can keep the story thread so you don't have to explain like, so it's all those factors of like, what's the path of least resistance mm-hmm. to get as much recorded in as little time as possible. Have you ever had it happen? Because this happened to me uh, once. I was, hi- this was a pandemic thing. I was hired to like do an intro for a podcast 
they ended up going a different direction. <laughs> um, but like I was in this studio, the air conditioner, it was, I forget what happened. The air conditioner was going, they needed me to like make my voice deeper and deeper. And then all of a sudden, like within the first eight minutes, my voice blew out. Oh yeah. And so I ended up, I was so apologetic. One of the people was my a friend of mine. So it was like, okay. And I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, they didn't need it till the next day, but I'm like, I'm like, give me a, a few, you know, I can record this tonight or something like that. Yeah. I, plus I think I had recorded like three podcasts the day before or something, but I felt really embarrassed, but I blew my voice out right away. Does it ever, so in these situations where you're pressed for time, does it ever happen that probably not you cause you're a super pro, but like an actor comes in and like they blow their voice out right away. No. Um, because, uh, we always try to find like the right space for them and make sure that they're not yelling. And also like too, with, with audiobooks, because it's such an intimate medium, like you shouldn't be doing, yeah. um, crazy stuff. But I have made, um, choice over like longer form. And that's like for, like for an audiobook, for example, like if you're doing the whole thing, you can't make too extreme a choice. You have to be able to, to sustain it. Right. Um, so, but yeah, in, in working with people, if like, if it's just, um, you know, a, a character, it's like, let's find something that's going to work for you. So if they're, if you're trying to push you too far down, like that can, that can strain the, the vocal cords and, and it can, you know, not, Oh, I do this thing now in, in a related note. Uh, there, so, uh, laryngeal massage, my God, it, because it is a series of muscles. So to actually mm-hmm. get that loosened up. And when I do, that's when it's just, oh, how do you so do good. it? I don't. I go oh. to a doctor. Um, Dr. Gupta is her name, and she's remarkable. She's a real doctor. She's a real doctor. She just did the Dave Matthews Band. I saw her post, and she's at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm like, that's oh. amazing. But um, but it actually, like, I would almost recommend, just like I'd recommend everybody take an improv class yeah. just so they can, like, get around in life. And I feel like, like everyone should go to therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but getting one of these laryngeal massages, it'll really just loosen you up. Um and I'm not talking like get a colonic or anything. I'm just saying, no, just get your just get your throat rubbed, and your it will relax you, and the tones that will come out of you will be so buttery smooth for a long time until they tighten up again with oh, use and this. strength. But it's oh, it's a, it's a life changer. Does it feel uncomfortable or good when it's happening? No, I mean for a second you're like, oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, and then you're just like a little you know baby kitten for the next forty minutes. Wait, what is the beginning? Is that some kind? It's of- just like, oh, this lady has her hands around my my throat. <laughs> you know, she's she's got yeah. her, she's got she's pressing down on my gullet. But you never feel at any point like you're going to be choked or anything like that. Yeah. And does she mostly work with people who use their voice all the time? Yeah, but I mean, anybody. But yeah, she. I think she's now specializing in just like vocal. Mm-hmm. So as a podcaster, yeah, this is something that right, could- right. Because that's the thing is that. As much as I'd like to yell into the mic about Tony, I do use my voice professionally all the time. I should act like it. Go to this person. Treat yourself like... That was the... Okay. Going back to my musical theater training, that was the one thing our our professor said. Treat yourself like a star. Yeah. And it's true. You know know what my big splurge is? (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) Mucinex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just uh, just take that before every podcast, and it just keeps it all running pretty smoothly. Prior to that, I'm giving away my secrets of the trade. (laughs) Prior to that, it was nonstop clearing my throat. 
And then once I started taking Mucinex, <laughs> I found that there was less throat clearing. But I do wonder if that is like, I don't know what it does. If it, no, I was going to say, it doesn't, it doesn't dry you out. It just makes everything, it makes the uh, secretions a little looser. Yeah. Oh, so disgusting is <laughs> it, that? It, it means you're <laughs> allergic to something if you got this, this drip. This is something that I've been dealing with too. Mm. And so I'm, yes. ta- I'm taking allergy drops now. Because it, yes. it turns out, I, I was always an indoor kid, and now I know why. Because I'm, I'm violently allergic to to the outdoors, to anything yes, that's grass same. related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No thanks. Yes, I went to, um, and this is where the talk gets very exciting. I went to a who did I an ear, nose, and throat doctor at some point during the pandemic, and they put one of those like, it's like a. Like a reverse tweezer. It's like a tweezer that uh, that cranks open. You're like in my in my like just like cranked open my nostril and looked in. Yeah. Um, and apparently it's like all inflamed up in there, uh, which I've just been living like this. Um, so yeah, I know that feeling. That feeling yeah. of like, oh yeah, I thought it was always supposed to be like this. Yeah. So she gave me like a nasal spray allergy medication, which I use sometimes, but. I don't know. I, but I don't feel like I'm constantly inflamed. Now I'm forgetting why I even went. I'm, I think I had an earache. Mm. I had an earache. That's what it was. Um, and she said it's because I was like my everything was all inflamed. But yeah, I guess I, I, I have allergies like all the time. So I guess that is why I need the Mucinex. Yeah. There we go. I'm out of my flow state now. <laughs> yeah, but you're <laughs> – well, now we're in diagnostics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we've learned a lot today. We have. <laughs> but as now, as allergic people who are in an alliance, where should we go live? Uh, well, uh, that's the thing is that we can live anywhere because we can do this work anywhere. So. <sighs> Wonderful for us. Yeah. I, re- <laughs> I recently moved to Pasadena and I, I quite love it there. But uh, I would be open to, um, you know, I was looking at like, you know, what's a place that can survive. Um, the next, you know, 20 years, um, sort of in all those ways, both mm. uh, weather-wise, right. politically, and, you know, and it's, it's, and, you know, and still be affordable enough. Portugal? Yeah, maybe it's Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking of, I am on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. All sorts of fun stuff. We got bonus episodes of the Friend Zone. That's my Patreon podcast. Upcoming uh, Friend Zone with Jackie Johnson. I went over to her house. I heard all about her birth story. I met her adorable son. Uh, and there are uh, there's a level where you can text me, and I'll text you back. There's live streams. You can see videos of the Thursday show. Uh, and uh, my brain just stopped. It just my brain just said. My brain just punched a clock, but unfortunately my mouth hasn't. So I'm sorry, you guys. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. It's much more fun than I'm making it sound. <laughs> I swear. I swear. Uh, you just have to take my word for it. And if you subscribe for a year, you get uh, for an annual subscription, you get two months free or you can do it month by month. And people send in questions. And uh, I know because I already looked we got comments. We got comments for Eric, more than questions, but I want to read them anyway. And we have a little song. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been 
Alan White says, does Mr. Martin know how lovely his voice is? Oh, um, thank you. This, uh, this American wife was a treasure because of him. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Thank you for listening. Uh, and then Jody says, I was going to say the same thing. I don't have a question, but I love when he's on the show. Okay, I have no notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me more about this American wife. How did what what was the format? The format was just a loose. It was whatever it. It was whatever we made it <laughs> because we were we had all of public radio to draw from. So it started with me like for some reason one of my like most my best impressions was of uh, former uh, NPR news anchor Robert Siegel. So we would do funny news stories, but it was mostly centered around like the interview. And um, and then we we brought we went into like sketches and we did a lot of improv like we had the super ego guys on mm-hmm. we did a whole like week long crossover with uh, the thrilling adventure hour so we had all their characters on and um, so we just did a lot of different stuff but then later um, we started um, interviewing a lot of authors which sort of dovetailed with my work in in audiobooks so. Um, it was yeah. It became a bit more literary in Ben. It was still funny and, and mm-hmm. irreverent, but um, yeah, we just did. It, it just became a sort of a vehicle for, um, honestly, for just for me for just figuring out how to do all this stuff. Right. Nice. And meeting cool people. Uh, so, do you have a just me or everyone? I do. Um, um, well, hold, hang on for a second though, because mm-hmm. we do have a jingle that I we thought, have to hear, or else we get fined. I thought so. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? We get fined by the FCC if we don't play it. Isn't that shocking? It's uh, sad but true, I guess. It's weird. Yeah, it's just a holdover. It's just uh, weird. So no one really understands it. It's just something that's on the books that they enforce. Okay. Do you have one? I do. Um... So is it just me or is it everyone um, that I sort of have taken on the de facto responsibilities of being tech support um, to my parents? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was literally just thinking about that today. It's not just you. And it drives me insane. If you're listening, Mom, uh, I'm not going to (laughs) apologize. (laughs) like i am not an apple genius at all i mean maybe are you good at stuff like this i mean i'm okay with it but um but i mean truly like the experts should be consult like i don't mind doing it Mm -hmm. and and i'm I'm sort of like like i want to help but i mean it's sort of crazy that like think about like they started with like the radio right? <laughs> and then, then they've gone through these successive waves and we've been through about half of that. Yeah. But it's like to, to come, you know, towards this far along in their journey and then to maybe just like l- lose the thread a little bit of just like, how do I do all this stuff? Mm. And, and the short answer is, I don't know, really. I mean, we just figured Google it out over it. time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's a journey. It's how, how are, see, the problem for me is that my mom will text me and be like, it used to be when I did this thing, this would happen on my computer. And now this happens. How do I change it? And I'm like, 
it takes 600 texts to even understand what the question is. And then to try to explain it is so difficult that it's like exhausting. And it usually comes at like 11 PM and it's just like, Oh, (laughs) and there's, it's never, and it's never like, hi, honey, I have a question. When you have a chance, could you let me? It's always like, how do I fix? You know what I mean? It feels like a four alarm fire. And I'm like, ah, (laughs) I want to listen to my stories. Yeah. Yeah. So how is the question being communicated to you? Is it like a phone call or is it a text? I think if it was a phone call, it'd be much easier, even though I'm not inviting a phone call. No, the phone calls are actually still very difficult. I think I just fielded one the other day and it was like, I thought I, I thought we had like set up a subscription mm. and then it wasn't. So then that's the added like, oh, oh, I got to make sure that we, yeah. we get this you know, taken care of. But it's like... How do you explain that? Yeah. And because it's not just what do you do, because there's all these steps that mean nothing, that are gibberish. It's also you have to explain the why. And really, you need to show it. So what I've finally figured out is just like, just make a list. The next time I see you, we're just going to knock them all out. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I can't do it over the phone, usually. I know. I know. And a lot of times, it's like... I want to just say because when I don't can't figure out something tech wise. By the way, I'm not Gen Z. I'm old. I just I Google how do I do you know I just Google the question because oftentimes you can find an answer that way. But I, but my mom doesn't ever do that. Tony, are you tech support for your parents? Uh, every now and then, not too often though. It's usually more you know they're on the other side of the country, so like. Uh, if I'm there, I feel like maybe oh, okay. I'll get asked a little more, but usually no no phone call. Maybe an occasional text, but, but it's pretty rare, honestly. I'm the first line of defense yeah. for any sort of phone-related anything. Yeah, my mom is surprisingly good with really? with that stuff. Yeah, it actually it surprises me. Lucky, yeah, you are lucky. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will say, yeah. the one mm-hmm. thing I wish they would learn how to do is change their Wi-Fi password. <laughs> Do you are do you are you guys parents this way where their Wi-Fi pass they're like oh can I get on the Wi-Fi and my mom is still like get a piece of paper and hands it to me and it's like J K three four seven two five it's just like nonsense the, numbers and uh, letters that, that are like twenty five yeah. characters long yeah do they do they change it often does it not save no I think it's literally like it's the it, they the get it set company. up and it was given oh. to them and yeah. they just don't ever change it and yeah gotcha yeah no my parents have uh. The one that it no, it's it's been the same one for like fifteen years, but it is personal to them. Yeah, that's good. That's a step in. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're lucky there. I was behind um, a Fiat. I think it was a Fiat yesterday, and it said like a, like a whole, the car. Okay, <laughs> and it said my red Fiat, the license plate frame. Is that right? <laughs> my red Fiat would be that's too many letters. So, my rad fiat. Maybe it was the vowel that was missing. Right. <laughs> Wait, it was the license plate frame or the license plate? No, the license plate. plate. Oh, sorry. I thought you said frame. Maybe it wasn't. You did say frame, but I, I meant intuited. license plate. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but that's too many letters. So maybe it wasn't a fiat. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a. Was it a Kia? No, I think it was a mini, actually. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But it was like my red, whatever the kind of car was. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking. What a weird license, personalized license plate to get because there's not really anything personal about it. Yeah. It's descriptive as hell. It really, <laughs> yes. 
This person is showing, not telling. <laughs> but why would you get that as your license plate? It's just what I want to know. I kind of feel that with any personalized plate. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. I actually don't want someone to drive somewhere and be like, oh, Allison's here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like I prefer anonymity with my car. But if you're going to get a personalized frame, uh, hello, again, brain checked out. If you're going to get a personalized license plate, why would you get one that is just so exactly like, why not just put like my license plate? <laughs> I mean, it's probably sure. taken. <laughs> Yeah. I don't get it. Vanity. It's, it's right in the name of the plate. Yeah. Is it literally just a, a, an attempt to get noticed somehow? Well, and and, and like it just, worked. I yeah. played right into their hands. Yeah. It was still it's still haunting you. Have you have you guys ever had personalized plates? Mm-mm. No, never. You don't have. have like read your book. (laughs) I'm doing, it's doing the advertising for me. Yeah. (laughs) No, (laughs) I have seen, I've actually seen it multiple times. And a friend of mine posted a picture of this before. I've seen a car around town with the license plate that just says, IMDB me. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever watch (laughs) empty nest? Wait, a little bit. Yes, it was a spinoff of Golden Girls, right, with and it Richard, had Richard Mulligan, yeah. Dinah, M- 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 Manoff, Minkoff, Manoff, Manoff, I think, and Christy McNichol. Oh, yeah. I've seen entire episodes of it, and I don't remember a blessed thing about it. Yeah, same. Okay, so there was a character, was the actor's name David Azuzu? Oh, God. No, no that was no, his no. pitchman role. Uh, okay. Uh, wait, yeah. what is his name? I know his name. Joe Azuzu, I think. Joe Azuzu. The, but that... But maybe maybe his something. name is David. Yeah, I think his name is David something. Let me try and find it. The internet's being very slow for me in here for some reason. Uh, and what was his character? David Leisure. Yes. Yes. And, so anyway, he was the neighbor, right? Yeah. Um, and he got <laughs> he got a, a, a on the show. He got a personal personalized plate, uh, and so he shows it. And Dinah, is it Manoff? Not, yeah, I think it's dynamic. It, whatever. Not Christy McNichols' character. The other one. She's like, Clover. What's the big deal? It says, I'm, that's not exactly what she said, but it was like, Clover. And he's like, Sea Lover. Because <laughs> remember, he was, I don't know if he had worked on a ship or he was in like, he wore a nautical outfit. Or in that scene, he was wearing a nautical outfit. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it said, Sea, mm-hmm. the letter C, Whoa. Lover. That's a really like a perfect encapsulation of the subjectivity of what these things could exactly. Could be. Yeah. Everyone else sees clover. Just a clover. That's right. Uh, do you have a hey go fuck yourself? I do. It's, it's wonderful. It's poorly thought out. That's fine. Um, but it's just it's an impulse um, mm. because I uh, I scroll through like um, one of my one of the things I enjoy doing is scrolling through like uh, Apple Music. And uh, and I see a lot of um, like I'll look through the new releases and I'll see a lot of like um, um, rap artists that are like uh, the baby little baby and I just think um, you know I, I I don't know anything about them other than I think some of them may have committed like felonies like bad oh, crimes yeah but they're like names are like babies and mm. it's like they've which is very infantilizing right and I think it's an excuse. For them not to take responsibility, oh. because I think it's because I look at them and I'm like, oh, the baby. Mm. But they, they could be just hiding 
uh, really bad things that they've done. And I think it's a misrepresentation. They're adults, uh-huh. and they should say so. And so for that, go fuck yourself. Hey, 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 hey go, go fuck yourself. So, like, there is a da baby, right? There is a da da baby. What and single da? <laughs> has da baby done bad things? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Also, I couldn't tell you what, but yeah. something bad. And so there might be a grow lo- up da baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there might be what we're gonna say. I mean, there might be a little baby too. And has little baby done bad things? I don't want to disparage little baby. I, I've if never he even heard of a little baby. Okay. And I'm okay with like little Wayne because he's just a small man. <laughs> <laughs> right. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. he's a he's a man. Right. Yeah. Not exactly. A baby. Yes. Oh, well, I'm with. You. I never thought of. I never gave it a second thought. But now that I have, I'm with you. <laughs> um, Eric, Jason, Martin. Yeah. This has been delightful. Allison Rosen, I agree. Tony Thaxton. Come on, say it. Whatever you're going to do, just say it. It's been okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> no, it's been wonderful having you in person. It's great to be in person. I know, it is it is great. Tony Thaxon, I, I appreciate seeing you. I'm a, I'm a fan of your work, so it's good Thank to see you. Thank you. That's yeah. very nice. See see how easy that is? <laughs> well, he doesn't depend on you. He doesn't rely on you. He doesn't expect you and then, oh, poof, you're gone. No big deal. Oh, I'm just going to be gone for a day. Oh, it's turned into two months. Oh, it's, you know. Weren't you wrapping the show up? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you like what you're hearing or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed. Leave us a nice comment. Five stars, please, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. And I already mentioned Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, I am on Cameo. Listen to my other podcasts. Apple is a place you can find them, but that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> what I meant to say is Upworthy Weekly is my lighthearted news podcast that comes out on Saturdays. And also Childish comes out every other Wednesday. That is my parenting-ish podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons. Make sure to get new Arcadia Revolution. And Eric is going to tell you where to get that. And he's also going to tell you all the other stuff you should look for. Take it away, Eric. Thank you, Allison. Yes, you can find New Arcadia Revolution on Audible.com. It's also available on Amazon and Apple Books. Uh, if you like more of the stuff that I'm doing, I've got a lot more audiobooks. So just pick one that's uh, one of your favorite topics, and I'll tell you all about it. And uh, you can find my website, ericjasonmartin.com. I'm on Twitter, and that's the same handle uh, on Instagram. Yeah, all those socials. Find me there. And yeah, occasionally listen to me on The Daily, where I'll talk about... You know, whatever. What, whatever daily stuff comes up. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Tony. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at... Tony Thaxton. And my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. And yeah, no shows coming up right now. No live shows, up much to Allison's delight. I love so that. leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Eric. It was so nice having you on the show. Listeners, awesome. thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know... About the Alice and Rose and Show. 